It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good day, everyone. Welcome to the 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast, episode number 109 of our weekly series. I'm your host, Rick Cole. Every week, right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, we take a trip back in time down memory lane and we bring you all the hockey news that was taken place 50 years ago in the words of some of the greatest sports writers of all time. In this particular show, we're in the week of November 22nd to 28, 1971. So if you like what we do here uh, each week and every day on Twitter with our Hockey 50 Years Ago uh, feed, you can help us out by going to patreon.com slash hockey 50 years and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribers not only get early access to each week's free podcast, but we have some really neat stuff and special content that we put out several times a month. These special shows allow us to go uh, a little more deeper into the subject matter of the time and, and we're allowed to give you a little more detail than we have time for in these weekly podcasts. Uh, this week, our, our Patreon folks are getting a big update on the World Hockey Association uh, as they prepare to make a splash in the hockey world that shaped the way the hockey uh, world was for the next few years. So that's patreon.com slash hockey 50 years to subscribe and we appreciate your support. So last week we had all kinds of trades to talk about, but of course this time around that's not quite the case. Last week it was almost uh, for a little while there, like a like a trade deadline day at the beginning of the week. Uh, not as many deals this week, but nonetheless there was a bit of player movement going on, and we have uh, some other quick hits hockey news to talk about to start things off this week. And the first thing we're going to talk about was an interesting development out west where the Western Hockey League Seattle Totems who'd won only two of their first 15 games in the 71-72 season they informed the National Hockey League Vancouver Canucks that they were severing all ties with the NHL club. Now prior to this season Vancouver General Manager Bud Poyle had forged an agreement with the Totems GM Murray Costello whereby the Canucks would furnish a number of players to Seattle during the season. I think Bud had a little method to his madness. His regular farm team, the main farm team, was the American Hockey League Rochester Americans, completely on the other side of the continent. With Seattle being just down the road on the West Coast, Bud felt he would keep some players uh, close by who would be subject to immediate recall and come to the team whenever they need a little help. So that was the plan that Bud Poyle had. A little a little uh, monkey wrench was thrown into the works with that, however. The uh, Seattle people were very unhappy with the players they received from Vancouver, and they didn't receive many of them at all. And they felt that yeah, this was a one-sided agreement, and they were getting very little help from the Canucks. And so Costello told Bud Poyle that uh, a couple of weeks prior that they needed uh, to hold up their end of the bargain a little better. They really didn't. So the uh, Totems just told the Canucks, take a hike. You can have your players that are here back. We don't want them. And we'll make it on our own anyway. Now, it seems that Poyle might have been trying to help the Totems and it came a little too late. 
But what his help was going to be, well, Bud Poyle miscalculated badly. Uh, he had a good idea that Costello and the Totems weren't happy. So he decided to send down forwards Mike Corrigan and Danny Johnson, who were serviceable NHL players at that time, especially in a uh, an expanded NHL. But to get them down to uh, Seattle, they either had to give their permission or they had to be put on waivers. Now, neither Corrigan nor Johnson wanted to go to the minors, so they didn't give their permission. So Poyle had to put them on waivers. Guess what? They didn't clear waivers. Corrigan was claimed by his former NHL team, the Los Angeles Kings, while Danny Johnson, a former Leaf prospect, was picked off by the Detroit Red Wings. Now, as soon as Seattle announced their move, which they announced as soon as they found out Corrigan and Johnson weren't coming, Poyle snatched Bob Cook, a right winger, off the Seattle roster, and he sold him to the Red Wings for a price just uh, a little more than the waiver uh, fee would be. The Canucks also had a young goalie by the name of Ed Dick at Seattle, and he was immediately recalled to Vancouver. But actually, there was some legitimacy to that move. It wasn't a, a, a shot at the totems. The Canucks' number one goalie, Dunk Wilson, had come down with an ear infection, of all things, and it looked like he was going to miss at least one game, so they needed Dick to be on the bench to back up the other Vancouver netminder, George Gardner. However, when Wilson is once again healthy and ready to play, the plan was to send young Ed Dick to the American Hockey League Rochester Americans, who uh, goaltenders were Lynn Zimmerman and the often injured Serge Aubrey. A little bit of a side note on that Seattle situation. Terrible, terrible team this year in the Western Hockey League. Well, Sam Shulman uh, is a sportsman, he calls himself, out of Los Angeles. He is also the owner of the National Basketball Association, Seattle Supersonics. He has offered to purchase the totems from the current owners. And the word is, once he has that franchise, he will seek a National Hockey League expansion franchise for Seattle and that's a very interesting situation. There was some talk that he may even want to go with the World Hockey Association but Shulman says he wants to be in hockey's best major league and that would be of course the National Hockey League. Story about a former National Hockey League goaltender I got to know during his retirement, Don Simmons. Don was the coach at this point in time of the Welland Sabres of the Southern Ontario Junior Hockey League, Junior A League. And in a game this past week in Brantford, Don was completely fed up with the officiating, a fellow by the name of Brad Horton. And if you ever watch Brad Horton, referee from time to time, you would understand why Don would get a little bit upset. Well, losing 6-3 in the third period to Brantford and just having been given their third misconduct and second game misconduct in the third period alone, Simmons said, that's enough. He pulled the players on the ice to the bench. He gathered the players around him and said, we're done, boys. Go to the dressing room. We're not playing in this game anymore. Horton was left standing on the ice, exasperated, awarded the game, of course, to Branford by forfeit. And that was it for the evening. The OHA didn't take long to have a... Uh, make a decision the very next morning Don Simmons was suspended indefinitely while the league tried to decide what the final outcome of the matter would be you know Don Simmons Don could have a very prickly uh personality from time to time but once he got to know you and if he knew that you knew a bit about hockey he actually uh would share a lot of his memories I, I sat with him a few times in his goaltending store in Fort Erie and we talked a lot of hockey in those days Montreal Canadiens defenseman Serge Savard had hoped to be back in the Montreal lineup uh by this time I guess that's not going to be the case. Here's a report from United Press International that says that defenseman Serge Savard, who suffered that broken leg in two successive seasons, will continue to be out of the Montreal lineup indefinitely. Team physician Doug Kinnear said 
that Savard's leg is progressing satisfactorily, but he's not ready by any stretch of the imagination to resume active play. Savard will be able to continue practicing with the team, but they have not set any firm date for his return, although the doctor says that Savard definitely would play for the Canadians before the season ends. Savard had been out of the lineup since he broke his leg for the second time late in the 1970-71 hockey season. We'll have a bit of a WHA high-level update later in the show, but this is kind of related to the WHA uh, Uh, This next story, a Phoenix newspaper reporting that the Western Hockey League governors are going to meet in St. Louis to decide if the league can survive in the face of major competition. The Arizona Republic reported that the governors of the WHL called the session because, among other things, the National Hockey League's expansion and the New World Hockey Association were threatening to engulf minor league teams. They're going to have to put these teams in some city somewhere, and the upper minor leagues like the American Hockey League and the Western Hockey League are going to be where those teams land. Things don't look good for the WHL at this point. At the end of last week, the Pittsburgh Penguins recalled veterans Dwayne Rupp and Wally Boyer from the American Hockey League Hershey Bears, but the two actually only stayed with the Penguins for the weekend and then sent back down to Hershey. The Penguins did recall a young center by the name of John Stewart, and he's going to be in Pittsburgh to fill in for the injured Selaps Jr. Apps is going to be out for a few games, but it's nothing serious. He'll be back pretty quickly. There was an interesting uh, side drama, I guess you could say, to the Buffalo-Vancouver game this week. The, the Sabres general manager coach, Punchimlack, voluntarily stepped aside from his bench duties for one game to allow Joe Crozier to coach the NHL Sabres. Joe is currently the general manager coach of the Sabres farm team in the American Hockey League, the Cincinnati Swords. But here's uh, what's going on here. This was really interesting. When Imlac went to Crozier and offered him the job, the Crow said he would take the job in Cincinnati on one condition, and that condition would be that Punch Imlac allowed Joe Crozier to coach one game against the Canucks in Vancouver, and Imlac readily agreed. Now, Crozier, you may remember, had been the general manager coach of the Vancouver Western Hockey League entry just before expansion, and it was thought everywhere that he would he would run the NHL operation. But when the people from Metacore got the uh, full ownership, I guess you could say, of the team, they got to know Joel. They didn't like him. So they unceremoniously dumped Joe, and Punch Imlac was also in the Canucks organization. Uh, He was an investor in the Western League. He basically was forced to sell off his uh, interest in that as well as part of that ownership deal. And so Joe and Punch had nothing to do with the NHL club. So this was Joe's little way of maybe hoping, exacting some revenge from the Canucks. Didn't turn out so well, though. The Sabres lost the game. Joe took a lot of ribbing in the in the uh, Vancouver papers, probably a little more than he deserved. It was all in good fun. Joe had a big smile on his face throughout the game. Uh, this would not be Joe's last chance in the NHL and not his last chance with the Sabres. Stay tuned because fate would grant Joe Crozier a second chance. Here's a bit of news from a former NHLer. I always liked this guy, Len Lundy. Not a star, a good journeyman hockey player, one of the original Canucks. Well, when Lightning Len Lundy obtained his release from Bud Poyle from the Canucks, he took a post as a, quote, hockey advisor in Tampere, Finland. But after the coach on that team was fired, Len Lundy stepped in as a playing coach, and now the league's been rolling along, or the team's been rolling along in first place in an eight-team league. Uh, Len is over there with his wife and four kids, and apparently they're really enjoying that experience. 
We told you a couple weeks ago about the case of one of my former teammates, Steve Latinovich of Port Colborne, Ontario, now of Welland. At this time, he was playing while studying at York University of in Toronto. He was in his third year with York this year as a player on the varsity team when suddenly he was informed he was no longer eligible to play OUAA hockey because he had once played professional hockey before he went back to school. This week, uh, by the way, uh, Steve was not the only player uh, affected by this. This week, though, the OUAA quite correctly reversed their stance and they made former pros eligible for their league. Now, some of these players that were uh, re- reinstated, I guess you could say, were Brent Imlach, son of Punch of York, Rick Morris of Laurentian University, a goalie by the name of Gary Doyle of the University of Ottawa, and Bob Monroe of the University of Toronto. We told you last week that Tom Webster, the fine young right winger, was traded from the Red Wings to the Seals, is out with a back injury while the Seals once again are whining that they've made a trade for an injured player. I don't know where they could have done due diligence in this or not. Tom Webster's back problems uh, he's had them before so I think they would have checked it out but they didn't anyway Charles Finley was making noise that he wanted the deal voided Uh, Detroit Free Press contacted Finley and he said I've not made any public comment whatsoever in regard to the condition of Webster when it was he responded to a point they wanted the deal voided Webster at this point was confined confined to a hospital in Oakland with uh, that back injury he had played just a few games with the seals finley said webster recently was released from hospital and that quote i'm certain any problems we have with the red wings will be settled amicably a red wing spokesman denied knowledge of webster's back problem prior to being traded and what else what could they say jim bishop the red wings executive director said ned harkness the detroit general manager planned to meet with Red Wings owner Bruce Norris on the West Coast to discuss the matter. Bishop said that this may become a serious difference of opinion, especially if questions of ethics are involved. Uh, Jim Bishop and ethics really don't go hand in hand, if you know that story. Bishop said, I can tell you Webster never missed a game for us last year, and that's true, he didn't. A Red Wing team physician said Webster had no record of back trouble while with the wings and that he had never been treated for his back. Now, here's a statement from uh, the Red Wing doctor that tells you something was going on there. The doctor said, I understand Webster complained of back pains to the trainer and he was given hot packs, whatever that is. The doctor went on to say that they have no record of a team doctor ever seeing him for his back problems. Stay tuned on this one. Right winger Ron Stewart, whom the Vancouver Canucks recently acquired in that big trade with the New York Rangers last week, well, these days he's wearing a special helmet-mask combination while playing for the Canucks. Now, poor Ron never even got to play a shift for Vancouver after being acquired in that trade. In his first game with the Canucks, Early in the opening period, Stu was on the bench watching the play and he was hit in the face by an errant puck and it broke his jaw. So right away, he's done. He was gone for that game. But now with this new uh, getup that they've got, sort of a football mask, helmet combination, he's going to be on the ice with added facial protection. Ren the Bird Blair's three-year contract as general manager of the North Stars expires at the end of this season. And we understand with the North Stars' excellent start this year that Minnesota management is very happy, apparently, with the Bird's work. And they're going to likely sign him to an extension pretty soon. But there were some whispers that the Bird might fly to the World Hockey Association. And there were a couple of teams making noise about that. Interestingly enough, the new St. Paul team in that league isn't one of them. As we mentioned last week, there were a bunch of trades uh, around the NHL. And of course, when trades start getting made, 
you know, what comes next. A lot more rumors. And Stan Fischler is a guy who never met a rumor he didn't like. So this week, Stan kind of was rambling on about possible in his mind trades. And he had this gem, if you want to call it that, about Bobby Sheehan, where Stan writes, it wouldn't surprise anyone if the Montreal Canadiens were after Bobby Sheehan, whom they sold to California last spring. The U.S.-born center had a bum rap in Montreal. He reputedly was a late-night swinger, but Stan says this isn't so. A SEALs executive kept an Argus eye, whatever that is, on Sheehan after he joined the Oakland Sextet and was pleasantly surprised by his attitude compared to what the executive had been led to believe. The SEALs official, whom Stan doesn't name, says somebody tagged him wrong. Sheehan is a dedicated kid who wants to be an all-star. And we'll just leave that there for you. The new Boston American Hockey League farm team, the Braves, set an American Hockey League record this week. Not on the ice, but in the stands. There was a crowd at good old Boston Garden to see the Braves of nearly 15,000 people, 14,995 to be exact, to see the Braves take on the Montreal Canadiens AHL farm team, the Nova Scotia Voyageurs, and the Braves, by the way, won the game 5-3. to three. Remember a year or so ago in the New York Rangers, uh, several players, four to be exact, held out, kind of held out from training camp together. That was Walter Kachuk, Brad Park, Vic Hadfield, and John Rattel. One man represented the four of them in their contract negotiations, although at the time he claimed it was not a uh, group negotiation. It probably wasn't. Fellow by the name of Steve Arnold. Well, Steve then seemed to disappear from the hockey scene. At least he didn't make a lot of news. But now he's back to the forefront again, and the National Hockey League owners once again won't be particularly happy with what he's doing. That's because Steve Arnold has gone to work for the World Hockey Association as the league's director of player personnel whatever that means. Arnold's a graduate of Columbia University Law School, and he's advised more than 150 professional athletes in all the major sports. Steve said, I accepted the position because it represents a personal crusade to help hockey players achieve the same competitive freedom of choice as any other businessman. Arnold said the NHL has taken advantage of its players for years and the WHA will operate without a reserve clause and give its players benefits that they're not available to them in the NHL. Three weeks ago, former Montreal Canadiens Boston Bruins forward Marcel Bonin, now retired, took a junior B coaching job in Joliet, Quebec. This week, Marcel resigned from the job, but wait till you hear the reason. He resigned as coach of the Beavers of the Montreal Junior B Hockey League. He blamed a lack of ice availability for practices for his team. Marcel said he was able to obtain, just listen to this, one hour of practice in the three weeks that he's been the coach. Now, the Beavers are in 10th place in the 11th team league. Uh, they're six games uh, under Bonin. They won one, tied one, and lost four, and the team did not immediately need a successor. Who'd want to go for uh, a team that's having trouble nearly, well, or in last place, and they can't even get practice time? couple of trade rumors going around this week. Ted Blackman of the Montreal Gazette reports that Vancouver Canucks general manager Bud Poyle is trying to get Phil Roberto away from Montreal Canadiens. But Sammy Pollock wants a draft choice of significance from Vancouver and Bud Poyle is reluctant to do a deal like that. And another trades rumor uh, about the Canucks has that team sending right winger center Rosier Pema to the Detroit Red Wings, even up for right winger Mickey Redmond. I don't know who dreams up this stuff, but don't hold your breath waiting for that one, Canucks fans. That one ain't happening. A bit of unwanted excitement for some members of the Canadians this week, a bomb scare delayed the return of several of the Canadians to their homes 
from Chicago. Canadians had played Chicago Blackhawks to a three-all-time Wednesday night, and some of the players left in the late morning on an Air Canada flight, flight number 730 for Montreal. Flight 732, carrying the remainder of the team, was scheduled to start off at noon. About five minutes before the departure time, Air Canada received a call saying there was a bomb on board the Canadians' charter flight, Although the flight was regularly scheduled and it wasn't really a charter, the plane had left the ramp area at O'Hare International Airport and the line halted it, deplaned the passengers and removed all luggage and freight from the aircraft. Authorities inspected all contents. The flight was then permitted to leave about 4 p.m. Bad news for the Buffalo Sabres this week. They lost young defenseman Mike Robitaille, who'd been one of their better rear guards throughout this season so far. He's gone for six to eight weeks after he had a shoulder injury that required surgery. He had the operation this week. And that's a tough break for uh, good young guy Mike Robitaille. Guy's got a really good personality. Maybe, maybe he might even have a future in broadcasting after his playing days are done. The National Hockey League season is underway and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any National Hockey League game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings has given all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Throw down a dollar on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, a minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required, only one per customer, and there's some restrictions that do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for all the details have a gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER one minor player deal this week Uh, like we said after all the trades last week they kind of were catching their breath i guess this week veteran winger billy hickey is on the move again now billy was once uh, coming out of the regina patch junior a system in saskatchewan Uh, He was declared the next Maurice Rocket Richard in the late 1950s when he was tearing up uh, the junior leagues out there. Well, he's been with the Pittsburgh Penguins this year, and this week he was sold to the Detroit Red Wings by the Penguins in a straight, straight cash deal. He's the second veteran forward that the Wings have picked up in the past two weeks. Last year they made a similar deal. They bought Bill Sutherland from the Blues, but Bill hadn't been playing in St. Louis. He wasn't really in very good shape. Uh, he'd been just sitting too much, not his fault. So the Red Wings have sent him to American Hockey League Tidewater to play his way into shape under the coach down there, new coach Larry Jeffrey, who we're hearing really isn't enjoying the coaching life all that much. So here's your World Hockey Association update for the week. Uh, not a lot of detail, but we'll get into a little bit of stuff. Things seem to be progressing, although probably not quite as smoothly as those in charge would like. But then again, what would you expect with a startup like this? We'll try and go sort of chronologically if we can on this. Monday, the league announced that its franchise number has swelled from 10 to 12, with teams being awarded 
to the province of Ontario in Canada and the New England region of the United States. The Ontario Club was to be located in Hamilton and was headed up by a couple of Torontonians, fellow by the name of Doug Michelle and a 23-year-old, Jim McCreeth, who was active in junior B hockey in Toronto. These two want to build an arena and they have location and apparently are acquiring land at the corner of Barton Street East and Highway 20, which is Centennial Parkway in East Hamilton. The pair say they've already purchased the property from a St. Catharines resident, Basil Griffiths, I think his name was. Now, as the week went on, we found out there seemed to be quite a bit of resistance on the part of the city of Hamilton, and they assured the hockey guys that no money from the city would be forthcoming to spend on this rink. They were going to have to do it with their own funds or not at all. Now, Doug Michelle said... That's just fine with him. He had lots of backers, and his hope was that once the rink and the hockey team were in place and up and running, he wanted the city to actually take over the building and run it themselves. This New England WHA franchise was granted to Howard Baldwin, a businessman from the area. Uh, he wanted to put the club originally in Providence, Rhode Island, but the folks who run the Civic Center Arena there want no part of the WHA. They feel it would be a detriment and a slap in the face to the present tenant, the longtime uh, tenants, that is, the American Hockey League, Providence Reds, and the city of Providence does not want to damage that relationship. There was a hockey banquet of some description this week in Saskatoon and the World Hockey Association's Canadian contingent was out in full force and we have some uh, quotes from Mr. Ben Hatskin, Wild Bill Hunter and Scotty Monroe. Hatskin of course is the uh, WHA Winnipeg guy. Bill Hunter will have the team in Edmonton and Scotty Monroe will probably be running the team in Calgary. Haskins started off by saying, wait until after the 1972 Olympics. We didn't call this thing the World Hockey Association just for the fun of it. This name actually has a meaning. We'll be going after European teams, and they're interested. Wouldn't you like to see the Russians playing Winnipeg? Bill Hunter says that this WHA league is the greatest thing that's happened to hockey in Canada ever. It took the National Hockey League 40 years to get three Canadian cities under its wing. In just one month, the WHA now has four. And Scotty Monroe, who's the general manager coach of the Calgary Junior A team, is going to have that role with the WHA squad. Scotty says, we won't go with an option clause in the players' contracts at all. Instead, the league will rely more on long-term contracts. Why should a hockey player be any different than anyone else? Or a baseball player, or a basketball player, or a football player. I always wondered that. If a hockey player is unhappy with his employer, he should have the ability to quit that team and go somewhere just like anyone else who doesn't work in sports. Even the most sacred bond, marriage, can be broken, says Scotty Monroe. And a little more Bill Hunter fast talk at this banquet. Bill says, wait until we announce our referee in chief in mid-December. You're going to be shocked at who we're hiring. And no, the draft age for juniors won't change here. In other words, it's going to remain at 20 just like the NHL's. Ha uh, Hunter also said that the Western Canada Hockey League will not be shafted by the WHA and they will not sign players at 17 or 18 years of age. Hunter did say, yes, we're going to have some exciting new rules in this league, including overtime. By the way, how are things going in Winnipeg? We were wondering about that. We'd heard from Ben Hatskin at the uh, Saskatchewan banquet. Well, he was making noises already about wanting to sign at least one superstar for his WHA team. 
And at that point, it was all but certain that former broadcaster Anna Stukas, known mainly for his football prowess uh, in his younger days, that he was going to be the first general manager of the Winnipeg Hockey Club. The fine hockey writer from Winnipeg, Rain Davis, had this piece in the Winnipeg Free Pass, and we'll give you that now. Anna Stukas rushed into Winnipeg early Monday morning and had a speeding ticket to prove it. The new but unannounced GM of the fledgling professional Winnipeg Jets of the World Hockey Association, yes, they now had a name, had only to arrive in Winnipeg for the second time in two weeks to signify his intentions towards the job. And he's obviously, says Rain Davis, the man. Stukas rushed to Winnipeg in great gobs of miles, driving almost 700 miles on Saturday and adding the final 900 miles on Sunday. Stukas said, it doesn't bother me a bit to miss the Grey Cup. It could be a rough one again. I mean, all the punks ganging up out there. The style in Vancouver's for a kid to leave $25 bail money with his friend, then go downtown to raise a little hell. They should rope off the downtown area like they do at the Grey Cup when it's in Toronto. Stook, a more famous figure in football than in hockey, claims he moved out of his home in Vancouver three days before the last Grey Cup to avoid the crush of friends from the East looking, of course, for tickets. That's the kind of friends Annis apparently has. And he wanted done the same this year. His wife and daughter will leave Vancouver Saturday all on their way to Winnipeg. While Stukas checked his new office, President owner Ben Hatskin was arriving in Saskatoon after a whirlwind tuner that had taken him to Edmonton, Calgary, Regina, and Miami since last Monday. Hatskin visited the Jets' office uh, for a little bit, actually a couple hours on Monday, before he left once again, this time for parts unknown. Meanwhile, Stukas is wondering how he goes about paying his ticket, picked up just outside of Brandon for nudging over the uh, 60 mile an hour speed limit, he was clocked at 74. Stuke said, does this mean I'll have to go back to Brandon or can I spend the next few days to find a place for us to live here in Winnipeg? Larry Milson of the Toronto Global Mail, and I believe formerly the Hamilton Spectator, he wrote about the, the WHA's desire to establish a presence in Europe. Of course, all the stuff that was set out in Saskatchewan made the uh, wire services and so Larry thought he would actually go it turns out that uh, Bill Hunter was in St. Catharines this week 50 years ago and he talked to Larry Milson although Bill Hunter is still the owner and manager of the junior hockey team he's become what's basically known as an international traveling salesman trips on behalf of the World Hockey Association in which Hunter holds the Edmonton franchise have taken him a long way from friendly Alberta 100,000 air miles in just the past six weeks. Hunter says public reaction to his appearances everywhere has been absolutely tremendous. He was in St. Catharines uh, as a guest speaker at the B'nai B'rith Sports Dinner. And anyone who knows Bill Hunter knows he never turns down a chance to talk, invited or otherwise. Naturally, the subject was the World Hockey Association, hockey's newest major league, and Hunter took some digs at the elderly established NHL, uh, but he tried his best not to say anything too annoying. But he gave a warning. The World Hockey Association was not a name given loosely. In fact, Bill says, I think we'd have a better chance than the NHL at expanding into Europe. It seems to be a marvelous asset that appears as if Mr. Bunny Herm, who runs international hockey, doesn't like the NHL much these days. Hunter said Europe is the most exciting hockey market of all. He did not mention how long it'd be before the league would become truly international, but he did say we're highly interested in discussing the possibilities of expansion to Europe so that we could have one true world championship. Hunter says, I can't think of a better draw than Russia or Czechoslovakia. They never failed to fill a building over here. 
Now, here's something I found really interesting, what Hunter said. He he did mention that several WHA teams were very interested in negotiating with European players. Now, this was really intriguing because the communist system, the Iron Curtain countries, were not going to let their players play for the capitalists. No way that would happen unless they defected. And that would mean there would have to be some skullduggery taking place, some cloak and dagger uh, operations to get those players over here. We eagerly awaited to see if the Russian players might come to Canada. Well, this, of course, brought up the usual question for the WHA. Where are you going to get the players? Well, Hunter had uh, read... Uh, ready uh, responses for these questions. He's probably been asked this every day for the past couple of months. Hunter says, we had 5,000 players registered in the Metropolitan Hockey Association Edmonton seven years ago. This year, 32,000 players are registered, and that's not including the community leagues. Hunter asks, do you realize there are 6,800 players eligible for the professional hockey draft last year? Hockey has undergone fantastic growth. He doesn't say how many of these 6,800 players actually would have even a modicum of a chance to make it in pro hockey. Hunter said, we used to have only one junior team in Alberta, the Oil Kings, and we had to play in a senior league to get any competitive hockey. Now there were three Alberta teams in the Western Canada Junior Hockey League, which I consider the finest junior hockey league in Canada because Bill doesn't watch the OHA much at all, I would think. This also begs the question, of course, who's going to run these teams? Well, Bill Hunter promised that some very exciting names would be hired to manage and coach in the WHA teams. And Hunter said that some of these guys will be better men than are in the NHL right now. Of course, you only have to look at Detroit to know that won't take much. He said there have been discussions with NHL players who contracts expire at the end of this season and a fund has been set up to guarantee player salaries in case something happens to individual teams or to the league. He suggested benefits such as pension plans, medical insurance, and other programs would be equal to and in some ways better than those in place in the National Hockey League. Of course, there will be no reserve clause in the WHA player contracts, as we've mentioned at length in other stories. Another obvious question for Hunter is, would there be a bidding war developed between the two leagues? And he says that some of the WHA fellows will try and get a bidding war started, but common sense dictates you can't go too far. We're not going to go broke by stupidity. At least, he says, my Edmonton club won't. Every club has a budget and will do what the budget allows. Maybe. We'll see. Hal Sigurdsson of the Vancouver Sun was reporting that the Canucks were actually in danger of losing at least two of their young players to the new league. Hal gives us a little more intelligent on, on some of the uh, players being targeted. Uh, Hal writes that the WHA may not be taking dead aim on the NHL, but there's a certain uh, to be a number of uh I guess, heated border skirmishes between the two leagues. At least two Vancouver farmhands will be involved. Calgary has eyes for goalie Ed Dick, who we talked about earlier in the show, currently uh, going to be with the Canucks while he fills in for Dunk Wilson. And Winnipeg is going to make a pitch for defenseman Jim Hargraves, now playing with Rochester of the AHL. That's the opinion of a man closely associated with hockey in Western Canada for several years. The hockey figure who prefers to remain unidentified says the operators in Calgary, Edmonton, and Winnipeg are also aiming to land a few NHL established stars. The guy aiming highest is, of course, Ben Hatskin, the bankroll behind the Winnipeg franchise. Hatskin hopes to lure Bobby Hull away from the Chicago Blackhawks, and you can almost hear Sigurdsson snickering as he writes it. Others on Hatskin's list include Reggie Leach of Boston and Chris Odlifson, a Boston farmhand, and Chuck Arneson, who, of course, belongs to the Montreal Canadiens. In Calgary, where Scotty Monroe is calling the shots, 
The master plan calls for signing Jimmy Harrison of Toronto, Joe Watson of Philadelphia, and Dale Hoganson of Montreal. Just traded to Montreal not long ago in the Rogie Vashon trade. Monroe is also anxious to land several young, highly rated junior players, including, as the aforementioned, Ed Dick. Others on Monroe's list are Randy Rhoda, Len Frey, who belongs to Chicago, and Fran Huck, who's in the St. Louis organization. He also hopes to keep three or four players who are currently with the Calgary Western Canada Junior Hockey League entry. Bill Hunter is, according to Sigurdsson, anxious to sign Garnet Bailey of the Bruins, Ron Jones, who's a Boston farmhand, and Ted McAneely, who is in the California Seals organization. In addition, Hatskin, Hunter, and Monroe are promising to deliver several graduating Western juniors to their WHA teams. The great Frank Orr of the Toronto Star reported on Thursday this week of a tete-a-tete between Alan Eagleson and the WHA's Bill Hunter, and the gist of it was that both sides were very happy with what they heard from the other. Eagleson's endorsement is a, a key factor for the World Hockey Association, so of course there's that. But as we know many years later, the Eagle always had the best interests of certain NHL owners very high on his list of things in his heart and of course his own interests rated above anything else. Al was playing very cagey at this point. Hunter for his part was very happy that Eagleson seemed very receptive receptive to the NHL players getting guaranteed contracts with money up front from the new league. Stan Fischler reported that Maurice Richard turned down the WH offer to coach the New York team, but that the team was going to offer the Great Rocket some sort of job where he could work from his home in Montreal. That New York team now, according to Fischler, was going to offer their coaching job to former Bruins bench boss Harry Sinden. And of course that makes sense in that Sinden now works in New York State, quite a ways from New York City, in the city of Rochester to be exact. And Harry, by the way, at this point, was a season ticket holder for the Buffalo Sabres. Dwayne Netland of the Minneapolis Star had this report on the St. Paul WHA franchise, and I don't think it was very complimentary. Uh, Netland writes that there's more than the pres- recent tirade against the North Star's management by President Lou Kaplan of the new St. Paul entry in the WHA to indicate that the Midwest Saints are proceeding in a minor league direction. Uh, Kaplan said, I became disenchanted watching the North Stars in their 67-68 season. I didn't renew my season tickets. Kaplan, of course, is the president of a large scrap iron business. He says, I didn't like Ren Blair jumping up and down behind the bench. It was insulting, to whom I don't know. Aside from taking on one of the most successful organizations in the NHL, the North Stars, Kaplan is heading an organization lacking in FUDs, unable to sell stock, speaking in terms of drawing 5,000 persons per game, and hinting that Mike McMahon, a former North Star defenseman who's now tending bar in St. Paul, might be his number one draft pick. That's a minor league uh, attitude if I ever heard one. To uh, Dwayne Netlin, this sounds like the Central Hockey League all over again. So that's this week's show, everyone. And what did we learn in this very eventful seven days? Well, we learned the Seals may have once again been hoodwinked by another NHL team when they made a trade. So they want the Tom Webster-Ron Stackhouse deal nullified I don't think that's going to happen. And once again, this is probably a situation where the general manager failed to do his due diligence. We also found out about a squabble between the NHL Vancouver Canucks, the Western Hockey League Seattle Totems, and it really made Vancouver general manager Bud Poyle look a little bad and maybe just a a little incompetent in the uh, waiver screw-up where he lost two players he didn't really want to lose. And, of course, there was a lot of WHA news, not the least of which was the granting of franchises to Ontario and New England 
And I know myself, being not that far from Hamilton, I was really excited to hear that. And I was really pulling for a team to be in Hamilton. We got some pretty interesting stuff we're looking at for next week's show. The promised antitrust lawsuit against the National Hockey League by the New York uh, WHA franchise owner Neil Shane seemed to materialize, but on the surface, it really didn't appear to have much merit. And we we really wonder, what would a judge think about all this? We learned that the one WHA team is very serious about signing an NHL superstar, and we'll get more details about that. And a story that was, uh, for next week, very, very close and dear to my heart. One of my all-time favorite players, a really good guy whom I got a chance to spend some time with uh, a few years later, and one of the best clutch goal scorers in National Hockey League Stanley Cup playoff history will decide to hang up his skates and we'll have that story. The 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast is produced by Andy Cole. Can't thank Andy enough for everything he does with this. Uh, Andy's with us in Ontario right now, and we're getting a chance to talk a lot more closely about the podcast, things like that. He's got me actually involved in a couple more uh, projects we're going to try and get off the ground, and it should be a lot of fun. Andy now produces podcasts professionally. If you're thinking of starting one up, get hold of me. I'll hook you up with him. Uh, He's one of the best in the business. The very popular Juno-nominated Toronto Indie Rock Group, the Rural Alberta Advantage, provides our intro and exit music. You ever get a chance to see him perform like Do Not Miss the Opportunity? They put on a great high-energy show. My daughter is a member of this band, and uh, it, it's been great to follow their progress over the years. Other musical pieces and sound effects are developed by Andy Cole as well. Our research comes from files of the Toronto Star, Toronto Globe and Mail, and, of course, the many publications found at newspapers.com. You can find us on Twitter at, at hockey 50 years and on Facebook under the 50 Years Ago in Hockey banner. We have a WordPress site, Hockey50YearsAgo.com. And of course, right here on the Hockey Podcast Network every single Friday. And of course, you can download the podcast anywhere that great podcasts are found. Thanks again to everyone who tunes into our show. This uh, 71-72 season is turning out to be uh, something uh, that's going to affect the hockey world for years to come. We're going to be with it all the way, and you hope you'll be with us as well. On that note, we'll see you next time. When the-